0: Wonderful, merciful Savior, precious Redeemer.
1: It's a blessing. It's a blessing. It is, I know I say it often, but um, uh, I'm thankful to be in a church that makes fun of my football team. Amen? Uh, but I'm, I'm also thankful to be in a church that uh, has people that want to use their abilities musically. Um, all it takes is being in a pla- I remember when we started our church, and uh, Ariana was not even playing piano yet. Uh, she was still too young, and we had a CD player. And that was our musician for the, for the church. And uh, it was like, all right, get your hymnals out, everybody. When I say everybody, I mean my wife and two kids, you know. And let's sing song number whatever. And then, you know, I'd be like, hold on, let me turn on the music, click, you know. And I'm just, it's a blessing to be in a church with musicians. It really is. All right, Mark chapter 2. And for those, I'm going to tell you this right now. If I'm standing, y'all better stand as well. All right, so Mark chapter number 2, if you stand with me for a little bit. Won't make you stand the whole sermon, but Mark chapter 2, as we honor the reading of the Word of God this morning, Mark chapter 2, and I'm going to tell about how I was bum rushed and uh, jumped by a bunch of hooligans out in the basketball court. (laughs) I'm going to tell you the real story in a little bit, but uh, Mark chapter number 2, look if you would at verse uh, number 1. Mark chapter 2, verse number 1. I would say this before we read the passage, one of the hardest things to do when you have fallen down. to get back up and uh, I recently experienced that at the hands of some very awful young people (laughs) I'm just kidding they didn't do anything to me uh but I, I I can tell you that sometimes and I think we understand this not only physically but emotionally and spiritually it's hard sometimes when you get down to get back up and uh The law of momentum is such that when you're moving, right, momentum begets momentum and you can just keep going further, but when you stop or when you fall, getting that momentum to get back up sometimes can be a real challenge in life. Some people, some people get down and to the point of real depression and they never get back up. And I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, I don't know where everybody's at. One of the the biggest blessings in my life is after a a, a church service or someone to come up to me and go... Uh, Pastor Adrian, why do you have cameras in our house? I'm like, first off, illegal. Secondly, not me. Amen. Uh, you, you know, what, what they're saying is this. How do you know what's go- I don't know anything that's going on in your life, but God does. And I pray that this morning, if this service can be a blessing to you, that it will be. Mark chapter 2, starting in verse number 1. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days. This is Jesus who entered into Capernaum, the city. And it was noised that he was in the house. Kind of hard to hide when Jesus is in the house, isn't it? Look at verse 2. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And you know, I love this. When there, a crowd gathers, Jesus does not talk about politics, He's, he does not talk about social issues. He preaches the word of God. All right, preach the word unto them, and they come unto him bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. That means four guys were carrying this guy who could not move on his own. Uh, And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, in other words, they couldn't come any closer because there were so many people gathered around that house, they uncovered the roof where he was. When they had broken it up, I mean, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay do the mental picture in your mind you got a guy that's on a stretcher four guys are carrying him they get to the house and they're like man there's way too many people to go in through traditional means so i'll tell you what we'll do we're going to climb around the other side of the house get around the back side climb up to the top with a guy on a stretcher break up the roof and let the guy down that's awesome that's pretty cool i think that's pretty neat I mean, some people, if they, if they, I, I wonder sometimes, you, some folks, I've seen some folks walk in and look around and go, oh, kind of full, I don't know if I want to sit here, you know, and leave. And uh, here these guys walk in, it's very full to the point they can't get any closer, and they find a way to climb on top of the house. I like stuff like that. I like that kind of character, you know? The Bible says they let him down. And the Bible says in verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. I love people that sit on the sidelines and do nothing but complain. Right. <laughs> they weren't helping this guy. They're just. But once Jesus does do something, they have a problem with it. Why does this man uh, thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? Well, he is God, manifest in the flesh. Problem solved, amen? Verse 8, and immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves... He said to them, why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say arise and take up thy bed and walk. In so many words, guys, what do you think is easier? To say thy sins be forgiven or to give the man the power to get uh, uh, the the energy to get back up when he hasn't walked maybe in years? Which one's harder? They don't know how to answer them. Look at verse 10. But ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. I guess you would say that, wouldn't you? Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. I'm going to ask Brother Eric if you'd open us up in a word of prayer, sir, if you would. Thank you. Amen. Be seated if you would. I I want to kind of take you back in time and maybe get you in your mind's eye to go back to this place and and go imagine walking into a city and you hear all this noise and and you kind of locate that noise, and you isolate, you go, okay, it's in that neighborhood. And then you, you walk over there, and you see this giant crowd, maybe hundreds of people, I don't know. And they're all kind of gathered around the, the front porch of this house. And there's one single man out there, and he's saying something you can't hear quite yet. And the closer and closer you get, it sounds like he's preaching from the Bible. And so this man is none other than Jesus Christ himself. And Jesus is there preaching the, the, the word of God to those people that are gathered. And by the way, the world has a lot of needs and the world is going to be drawn to. At, let me just say it this way. When someone stands up with truth, not everyone's going to like it, but those that are seeking it will listen. And so there's a crowd that's gathered around to hear what this one man has to say. I want you to imagine that you're there. Now, let me just say this much. There are a couple of people named out in the story and, and, and Jesus is one of them by name. Uh, let me just say this much, we're not him, amen? So I want you to imagine you're there, but you're definitely not him, and maybe you're one of those that's in the crowd, and maybe you're one of the disciples, I don't know. The disciples really aren't even mentioned by name. They're, they're there, but they're in the background. We know there's four men that carry this man on a stretcher that carry this man that was uh, sick of the palsy. And I say stretcher. I don't know that they did it that way, but they somehow got this man to Jesus Christ. Uh, There's a crowd that's there. The disciples are there. Jesus is there. I want you to imagine maybe just for a moment that you're the man on the stretcher. I want you to go, I'm not that bad off. Well, let me just say it this way. We don't, as the brother just got finished saying in his prayer, we don't always know exactly where we're at until we're really honest with God and with ourselves. And every once in a while, kind of stepping back and going, man, that that was me that was on that stretcher. I had no way to get up. I had no way to save myself. And Jesus Christ came by and saved my soul and established my feet on a solid rock and established my goings and gave me a new life. Thank God for that. I mean, listen, start at salvation. Imagine yourself there and going, I had no way of saving myself. I had no way of recovering from my disease. I had no way of dealing with this thing called sin. Thank God for the gospel. Thank God for the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now listen, if you're here and you're not saved, I want to tell you right now, I'm going to spend a lot of time talking to saved people. But if you're not saved, can I just say this much? I want you to see yourself in this story. You are not Jesus. I am not Jesus. You know what I, I can relate to more than anything else? I can relate to being the man on the stretcher. Amen. And if you're honest with yourself and you would say, I, I, I don't know that I know Jesus as my Savior. I'm not sure that I'm saved, but I try to live a good life. And I try to go to church. And I try to be kind to of my neighbors. And all the other things you try to do. And yet there's not enough energy to get up and get yourself off that stretcher. I'll tell you why. You have not yet met the Savior, Jesus Christ. Because once you interact with him, life is extremely different. And if you're saved this morning, you've experienced that. But let me tell you this. uh, Every once in a while, it's good to come back to the Lord. You understand that? Not because you need to be saved again, but because every once in a while you fall down. Can I get a witness? Every once in a while, you find yourself in a situation that you said you would not go back to, or you find yourself down, or you find yourself depressed, or you find yourself longing for a different time, and you just feel like the weight of the world is on you and you don't know how to move. And the answer is this, you can't move on your own. It's kind of like getting stuck in a rut. Vance Havner, an old-time preacher, said this. Many people are in a rut, and a rut is nothing but a grave with both ends kicked out. I read this. The only difference between a rut and a grave are other dimensions. You know what that means? A rut is not a good place to stay for a long time. You know, I tell my kids oftentimes, I tell them, hey, it's okay to have a bad moment. The Lord understands you're going to have a bad moment. Don't let the bad moment turn into a bad hour, and the bad hour turn into a bad day, and the bad day turn into a bad week, and the bad week turn into a bad month, and the bad month into a bad year, and the bad year into a bad... There are some people you get around, you get around the the Eeyores of the world, and, you you know, you're coming along, you're all happy, you know, and and you're just like, man, God's so good, how you doing? Well, (laughs) and just get buckle up, you're about to get depressed. Let me say this right now. Every once in a while, we find ourselves there for whatever reason. And I can tell you this. Sometimes it's because of our past and our choices and maybe even our preconceived ideas about the Lord. Maybe it's because of habits. I had someone recently tell me, you know, I'm really struggling with with, uh, uh, trying to get away from a certain habit. And uh, now look, I don't care what you think about smoking weed. That's your business. I'm going to tell you right now, uh, I believe from the word of God, it's something you ought, you ought not do because it's going to mess with your mind and open you up to things that you, let me say it like this. If you're going to try to get some kind of relaxation and some kind of peace in your life, uh, maybe don't do things that are going to open you up to unclean spirits. How about that? There's a lot of other things you can do. How about going out and sitting on a porch and watching the sunrise? How about going out to a coast or go to the lake and listen to the wind move on the the ripples of that lake? There are things you can do to calm yourself without injecting stuff into your body that's going to mess up your mind. But I had a young man tell me, man, I'm really struggling with this. I said, why? Because me and my family, when we hang out, we used to smoke weed. I I said, well, are you still doing it? Well, it's my family. You know what the problem is? I'm in a rut. And my whole family's there. You know what you have to decide to do if you're going to? Listen, for the sake of the young man's sobriety, you know what I said? I said, look, you can love your family, hang out with them, but tell them if this is your version of hanging out, I can't do it anymore. He said, what is that? Trying to get out of that rut. The nation of Israel, you know what happens with Israel? They go round and round this mountain. They'll be coming round the mountain once you come. I mean, round and round that mountain, over and over and over. You know what the Lord said? You have compassed this mountain long Enough. Do you ever find yourself in life going, I've been here before, I'm down again, and I'm down again, and I'm down. And the Lord's going, Hey, you don't have to keep going down. You can get out of this rut. He tells Israel, Turn you northward. Why does he say that? Because when you get closer to God, you're moving in the right direction. The Bible says, A just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. Ever, ever worked in a crawl space? Any of you guys who ever worked in a crawl space before? And you get down like this, right? And you get down in that crawl space, and you're doing this kind of thing. And then you come out, and like for five minutes, you're walking around like this. And, and someone taps you on the shoulder and goes, hey, man, stand up. It's like, oh, yeah, it just kind of hurts to get up. You say, well, I, I kind of got used to that position. And it's very it, the law of moral gravity is this: it's so much easier to fall down than it is to get back up, especially when you get older, Amen. You guys seen the commercials on, don't laugh. (laughs) You ever seen the commercials on TV? You know, i fall in and I can't get up. Remember those? All right, I'm a child of the 90s. I remember those commercials. I don't know if they're still around or not, but but, but the truth is, as a Christian, it's easy to fall down, whether it's into a bad habit, a wrong way of thinking, into depression, into thinking the world hates you and everyone hates you or whatever it may be, whatever that thing is that gets you down, it's easy to fall in that. It's hard to get out. The Bible talks about a woman that had an issue of blood for 12 years. That's a long time. It's a long time to have a disease. You know, the Bible says about her over there, in Luke, you don't have to turn there, but it says she spent all her living on physicians. In other words, she tried everything that she knew. Now, you know what the definition of insanity is? Doing the same thing over and over and over and over and expecting a different result. You know, you go to the store and, you know, your kid has never listened to you because you didn't train them to listen to you and they're acting like a fool in the store. Now, Johnny, what, I, I'm so sorry. We actually have a kid, a young man here named Johnny, and every time I do this, I think to myself, is he here? He's here. I'm so sorry. Not that Johnny, a different Johnny, all right? Now, Johnny, don't do that. Johnny, you know what the kid's going to do? Exactly what you told him not to do. Why? Because that's what you've been training them to do your entire life. And now, all of a sudden, you want to be different because you're at the store. That's not how it works, amen (laughs) so the idea is this if you're doing the same thing over and over and over and over and expecting a different result you're moving towards insanity that woman had that issue of blood she'd spend all her money on those physicians she did all that she could her way you know she finally realized this isn't working what i'm doing listen to me very carefully isn't working what I'm doing in my marriage isn't working. What I'm doing in my family isn't... What I'm doing in my walk with God isn't working. What I'm doing with the people that I struggle with that work. This is not work. Maybe I should try something different. And that woman came to Jesus Christ and her life was forever changed. The prodigal son, you know the story, goes off in the far country. He has to come to a place where he realizes, man, I need to change. There's something wrong with where I'm at. I'm not in the right position. I need to get up. I need to move away from where I'm at. That's hard. Let me just say this much. Just realizing where you are is a really good first step. Let me ask you this. What did you come to church for today? Some of the people are like, well, my my parents brought me, you know. There's that. (laughs) Hopefully, none of you men are like, my wife brought me, you know. (laughs) I remember one time years ago, a guy walks into church, and and I go to shake his hand, you know. And and our church was very young. I mean, like a couple months old at that time. And I go to shake his hand. He goes, oh, you want to talk to her? Okay. (laughs) You know, one of those. I'm like, great. Well, this is going to be fun. You know what happened with that guy about two years later? That guy called me over to his house when he was dying, and that guy got saved. Thank God. But you know, but here's the point. The point is this. Some of you might go, well, I'm here because so-and-so brought me or whatever. Really, you want to ask yourself, but really, deep, more deeply than that, what brought me here today? What is it that I need? What's wrong with maybe the position that I'm in? Where does God want to take me from where I'm at? That, that man was sick with a palsy, and the Lord said, hey, uh, let's get you better. Oh, I'm fine doesn't look like you're fine. You're on a stretcher. Four guys carried you here. I'm good. I want to be honest with you. Ariana uh, Lovato asked me between services. She goes, Pastor, you need help down the stairs? She was very sweetly asking. And I said, no, I'm good. She goes, you don't like taking help, do you? I'm like, "Mm." (laughs) She's right. (laughs) You know, maybe, maybe maybe that's some of the problem, though. You get down, you don't want anyone to help you. You need to ask yourself, what do you want? uh the, the jesus christ comes across the the blind men those two blind men there and one's blind bartimaeus and, and you know what it says in matthew chapter 20 jesus says uh to them uh, what will you that i shall do unto you now let me ask you a question if jesus is the all-knowing son of god and he knows exactly what's going on in their lives and he can see by the way it doesn't take a lot of effort to tell if someone's struggling with sight and to tell if they're blind i think he kind of already knew what their problem was so question is this why does he ask him that question It's not because he's like, oh, I wonder what they need. It's more because they need to recognize where they're at and pronounce what their need is to the Lord. So let me ask you this morning, what do you need? You know what you ought to say? I need healing from bitterness. I need healing from envy. I need healing from hatred. I need healing from sin. I need healing from my habits. I need healing from the way that I think. I need healing from the relationship I have with my spouse. I need healing with a lack of forgiveness. I need healing in these areas of my life. But you know what? Until you do that, you're not going to get the help that you need. Man, you sometimes ask your wife what she wants. (sighs) What do you want? I just want you to know what I want. (laughs) Oh man! How about this one? Where do you want to go for dinner? I know, honey. Surprise me. Well, I was thinking about this place. Oh, that place isn't (laughs) gluten-free. Well, what about this place? Oh, but I'm on a diet. Well, why don't you pick it? But I want you to think about. Oh my goodness! What do you want? I don't know. What do you want? You know, I don't, you know, the Lord is asking you this morning, don't be like that to him. The Lord's asking you, what do you need? What's your need? You know, you ought to say, Lord, I'm flat on my back and here's why. And Lord, this is where I'm stuck. This is where I'm at. You know, until you can do that, you won't get any help. You need to learn to say, you know what, here's the problem. You get saved, and you go to church for a number of years, and you start thinking, man, who really here needs this message? I think she might. Yeah, de- definitely her. Yeah, absolutely. Lenny absolutely needs help. He's still talking in the middle of the church, not listening. Let's pray for Lenny. I mean, I mean, you, that's what we do as Christians. We go, oh, well, they, they really need this. God may put his finger on your heart and go, you need this message. This man, we don't know how long he was lame on his feet, how long he was sick of the palsy. I know that in other places it talks about a guy who was born blind. This guy doesn't say he was born that way. Matter of fact, the illusion the, 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 uh, from the end of the story we're going to get to is, is something happened in his life that got him there. And uh, I think we're going to find out it has to do with him. But I want to say this, Miss. There are some things that this man learned in trying to get back up. Number one, can I say this? Getting back up is not the easy route. You know what the easy route is? Staying down. Look, if you would, at verse number two. The Bible says, there were many gathered. Oh, so many people in the way. All the hypocrites in the church, and all of this, and that, you know, all the, there's all the people that are in the way. Then notice what else it says, insomuch there was no room to receive them. Aren't you glad that when God became a baby, when God became man, man, a God in the flesh, and he took on human form, and he comes down to this earth that first Christmas morning, as you might call it, and he comes down, and that baby, aren't you glad the Lord wasn't like, oh, there's no room in the end, forget this plan, forget all about it. This is too hard, man. If they don't want to make room for me, I'm not coming down. Aren't you glad he didn't start that way? Aren't you glad he did not let that deter him from doing what the Father had called him to do? There's no room in the end. Fine. We'll find a place in the manger. No problem. You know what that is? That's someone that understands the easy route is not always the right route. We live in a society that wants everything done easily. Give me the button. Give me the, give me the, the, the little thing I can push. Give me the, the app. Give me the thing that I can just take this pill and it all goes away. Can I tell you this? If you're always looking for the easier route, you may not find the Lord in it. I mean, think about it. Think about the people that find the Lord. They're the blind and the halt and the lame and the sick. They uncovered the roof and let down the bed. That's not easy. Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night. That wasn't easy. Zacchaeus has to climb a tree. That wasn't easy. Lazarus is dead. That's about as hard as it gets. Amen. Peter's mother-in-law is sick with a fever. Jairus' daughter is dead. Blind Bartimaeus is blind. That's his name. Lame man sitting by the pool. The the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years. The woman whose son had died and Jesus touched the coffin. Remember all that? These are all people who experienced the hard route to Jesus. You know you have to learn in the Christian life? If you want to get close to the Lord, it's not always going to be the easy route. No. I want to get back up. Lord, where's the button? There is no button. You know, in the physical, you know what we see all around us? Take this pill. It'll cure your diabetes. No one will cure your diabetes. You know what cure your diabetes? Lose 100 pounds. You know, but, but that's not easy. You know what's easy? Take a pill. You know what I'm telling you right now? Our society has this idea with everything Uh, we've been married for how many months or how many years and I mean I've I've met couples who are married for 20 years and they're like you know what we came to church for a month and it's it's not fixed yet it's like good night it took you 20 years to bury this thing give God a little bit longer you know what it is I just want the easy route how can I get there as quick as possible and it costs me as little as possible that's not the Christian life let me tell you right now if you're not saved salvation is free thank God for that The most important thing you could ever gain in life, uh, the the escape from God's wrath and from hell and the judgment on sin and entrance into heaven, adoption into God's family, being clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ, all that's free. But if you want to know him closer and you want to get to see what's really going on in your life and you want him to examine you, you want him to fix you and heal the character in your life, it's not going to be easy. Matter of fact, the rich man, rich young ruler, comes to the Lord and goes, "Oh Lord, I'm ready to leave everything." And the Lord tells me exactly what he needs to do. You know what he does? He walks away sorrowful. Why, Lord? I was hoping you'd tell me something easy. That's not always the Christian life. Can I remind you with the words of Jesus? If any man will come after me, let him make a lot of money, live in a mansion, drive a Rolls Royce, and put it all over social in Jesus. G- That's not what it says. If any man come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and what? Follow me. There's nothing easy about the Christian life. The only easy thing about it is how you entered in through salvation. Thank God for that. Now, let me, let, me, let me just get this out of the way right now. If you're hearing your loss, you go, well, if it's not easy, I don't want it. I'll tell you what, right now, I would much rather press toward the mark of knowing Jesus Christ and go through some hard things than die without hope, without God, without purpose, without anything of any eternal value in my life and die and go to hell. I'd rather have that side over that any day. So I'm not lamenting the Christian life. I'm here to tell you, if you want to grow and mature, nobody goes to a gym, lifts weights one time and goes... That's it. Done. But yet the Christian life was I came to church. All right, God, where's the muscle? The Lord's like, how about Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday? And How about you do the hard thing when it's not convenient? You know what was easy for Peter? Denying the Lord. You know what was hard for Peter? Sitting there and having the Lord say, do you love me, Pete? Do you love me? you love me? (laughs) The easy way is easy until it's not. I walk around. I've talked to some of the homeless folks around our city, and the population of homelessness has definitely grown. And every once in a while, I talk to them and try to engage them. They're human beings. You understand that. You understand that, right? Okay. All right. Let me visit that again some other time. But (laughs) I mean, they're human beings, and I'm not justifying. Some of them are on drugs and all kinds of things they shouldn't do, and, and the city has a problem and all that. That's all true, but, but talking with them, engaging with them, you know I find out with a lot of them? Most of them. You know what the story is? I found an easy way to deal with something, and it became the hard way. And that's why I'm where I'm at today. You know, I've learned the easy way is easy until it's not. What's easy in high school is hard when you're 40. I don't mean basketball, stop it. <laughs> I mean like whatever your friends are telling you to do, like you do that thing and then you get addicted to something and then when you're 40, trying to break that addiction, a lot harder. Yeah. Yeah. The easy way today makes for an unmanageable, unmanageable path tomorrow. You know what was easy? Carrying the ark with the new cart. That was easy until someone died. <laughs> you know what was easy, young men, for Samson. To meet a girl from the Philistines, boy, they were easy. I don't mean that to be rude or crude or anything. It was easy, but you know what? It, was, it wasn't easy forever. It was easy until his eyes were poked out. You know it was easy for Judas? 30 pieces of silver to, not, to betray the Lord. Until right. he realized what happened and he went out and hung himself. You know it was easy for Ananias and Sapphira to lie about how much they were given to God. Until they were dead. You know what we do? I'll give you an example. This is kind of a funny one. Start a diet. It's too hard. Get mad at yourself. A month later, start over. No momentum, though. So now you're starting from ground zero. You know what I'm talking about? This cycle, and that's in the physical, but what about spiritually? I'm going to follow God. I'm going to get up. Well, but it's hard. Yes. Yes, it's hard when you've put yourself in a bad situation to get out of it. You know why we tell our young ladies so often and so much? Listen, you gotta be real careful, and our young men as well. Be careful who you marry. That can affect you for the rest of your life. I mean, twenty-three years later, you look back and go, "I married an idiot." Not me to her, her to me. I mean, but you understand what I'm saying? What I'm saying is these decisions that you make they can last. When you get yourself in a bad spot, it can be really hard to get out of there. You hear what I'm saying? You want to get back up? No, it's not the easy way out. You know what the easy way out is? Blame the world. Blame society. Blame your parents. Secondly, can I say this? It requires surrounding yourself with the right people. You want to get back up? You need to take inventory of who you surround yourself with. Both in the real world and the virtual. can Can I point out to you? Look, if you would, at verse number three. I don't know who these guys are. They don't name them. We don't know a whole lot about them. But, but man, here's some character of these men. It, it, the Bible says that they brought this one sick of the palsy, which was born for four guys who are unnamed. Not only did they bring him to the Lord, but when they couldn't get inside, look what it says in verse four. They uncovered the roof and they let him down. There's nothing in this story that makes me think that these men were servants of that man. There's nothing that tells me that they had to do what they were doing. You know what they were? They're a great picture of the kind of people you should surround yourself with as a child of God if you want to learn to get back up in life. Their names aren't mentioned, but you know what I do know about them? They stepped in when the world stepped out. Those are some good friends. Mm-hmm. Who are you surrounding yourself with? You find yourself going, well, it's, it's hard to get up from where I'm at. You know what you might need? Let me, let me say this. If you have friends, I don't, I don't care if they're Christian or not. If you've got friends that are always talking about how hard life is and you're depressed, yeah. Yeah. I got news for you. You might need to find some new friends. If, you, if, you're, if your friends are the ones that are going to kind of push you as far to the edge as you can go to see if you're going to fall back in the old ways, get some new friends. If your friends are self-righteous, stuffy Christians that are pharisaical, looking down at others all the time, and you struggle with self-righteousness, I got an idea for you. Get some new friends. You say what? You've got to surround yourself with the right people if you want the right results in your life. You cannot expect for your life to go in a certain direction and it goes and, and surround yourself with people that are going in the opposite way. You have to look around and go, man, do I have people that would bear me up? Let me tell you something. The other day I fell down playing basketball. You say, what happened? I was playing innocently, shooting the ball, making three-pointers left and right. <laughs> just, wow. Eyes closed, just dropping a man, drop, just, just, just like that. And then, and then Lenny came behind me with a baseball bat and just went like that and I fell to the ground all joking aside, I thought somebody hit me I did I was like Forrest Gump, somebody hit me you know? Like I, I, I was like I literally, I fell on the ground some people around me said they heard a snap I don't know if they did or not but I, I literally thought someone hit me from behind I, went, I said, who hit me? and they're all looking at me like, man, what's your problem? nobody hit you But let me tell you something, when I fell down, I literally went, I went to kind of, you guys remember this, I'm kind of like on the side like a little baby. I don't want to reenact it. It's not exactly my best manly moment. And I'm on the (laughs) ground, kind of like this on the side, you know, kind of in the fetal position. And and I'm I'm trying to get back up, and I realize I can't do this on my own. You know of the most humbling things in the world to do? Is to allow grown, sweaty men to grab you. and carry you like a damsel in distress. (laughs) Which is exactly what Joseph Stevens did for his pastor. I got some good friends. I thank God for that. Hey, spiritually, when you're down, can you rely on some people to help pick you up? Your friends will make a real difference. The wrong crowd can have the wrong effect on you. Over there in Numbers, the children of Israel coming out of Egypt and... The Bible says that uh, the mixed multitude that was among them fell lusting. You know it's a great picture of? It's a picture of God's people being mixed with the world. And what the world is struggling with spills into your life. You say, why? Because we're just kind of like this. You know, some of you may lean to look. Maybe, maybe the big challenge for some of you today is to go, I need to separate from some things in my life today. And I need to replace them with the right relationships in my life today. You see, what were they? These friends unnamed you know what they were they were determined look at verse four they couldn't get to jesus the normal route so they climb a roof i just love that they were determined they were willing to work i don't know about you but like breaking the roof of a house sounds like work and, and I know constructing the roof would be harder, I get it, but, but breaking it would take some manual labor, right? And so there they are, breaking that roof up, and then they go, okay, how do we get them down? Well, let's just lower them down to the Lord. I think we can do that, right guys? Yeah, let's work together. I mean, these guys had something going on. Those are the kinds of people that you want. They will do whatever it takes to get you to Jesus. Take some inventory today, and maybe if you're down in certain areas of your life, go, I need to change my scene a little bit. If I have a chance of getting to the Lord and getting this right in my life, I need to just look at what's around me. Thirdly, if you would, look if you would at verse number five. I like this. When Jesus saw their faith, it wasn't even the faith of the sick man. That's why when you hear like these Benny Hinn things, you know, and someone comes in and they're like, I don't know, you know, uh, Benny Hinn tried to like smite me and it didn't work. And, you know, Benny Hinn's like, you know, fire! You know, he does this thing and you fall back. And, and, and if it doesn't work, you know what, you know what the, the, the fake preachers will say sometimes? They just didn't have enough faith. Yeah. Yep. What a bunch of junk, man. You know, you know what that is? That's not even biblical. In this story, it wasn't even the faith of the man, it was his friends. Yeah. The faith of his friends. Think about that for who you surround yourself with. And notice what it says here in verse 5 at the end Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Now, you may not take it this way, but you know what? If you're proud and you're like, What are you trying to say, Jesus? You saying I'm sick because of what I did? You know what Jesus would say? Absistinkin' lutely. Now, I'm not teaching that if you ever get sick, it's because of sin. Don't ever walk away with that. That's garbage. What I'm trying to say is this from a spiritual standpoint. If you're never willing to own that you might be part of the reason why you're flat in your back, you're not gonna get the help you need. You know what the Lord says? Thy sins, and the guy does not argue, he doesn't go, Well, you don't know my background, you don't know my childhood, you don't know who my parents were and how they raised me. Listen, some of you, for the love of God, you're gonna have to learn to divorce yourself from this psycho babble that everything that's in my life, it's the problem of my parents. You're a grown some of you are grown adults, you gotta let go of that. There's a shelf life. And some of you had good parents who tried their best. You know what I think to myself? If I walk around in my 40s and 50s complaining about my parents, God help me if my kids don't do the same thing. I don't want them in their 40s and 50s going, man, my dad this and my dad that. And my. Thank God I had parents that were there. I mean, listen, at a certain point in life, you need to learn to do. Just say, it's not everybody else. <laughs> I remember one time, um, <laughs> it's kind of a funny story. Not not our camp, so I don't want you guys to get all worried, okay? But a summer camp that I went to growing up, there was this kid, Silver State. And he kept saying, "Man, something stinks in here." In the boys' cabin. Now boys' cabins, everything stinks in there. <laughs> and and it just every time I go into a boys' cabin, I'm like, "Did I smell like that when I was?" <laughs> <laughs> and so anyways I, I, gotta, I gotta answer that Miss Debbie because she said the answer is yes I was a weirdo <laughs> at 15 I take three showers a day I was not that guy uh, yeah I mean like, like I, I don't know if it's was the Puerto Rican in me like, shh, 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 shh. <laughs> <laughs> you see what you got you got deodorant you got body spray you got lotion you, you got all kinds of layers of good smell you guys judge me well, I, you want to judge me that's fine I ain't going to be judged for stinking that's for sure <laughs> This guy's talking about something stinks, something stinks. Finally we go up to him, dude, you don't have deodorant on, you stink. The whole time he thought it was someone else. Sometimes in life, when the Lord says thy sins are forgiven, instead of puffing up your chest and going, well, you're trying to say that I'm here, yeah, the Lord's going, yeah, I I am saying that. Now look, not every time that you're down is it because of you, I understand that. They have the story of Mephibosheth in the Bible. He was carried by a nurse and dropped, and he was lame on both of his feet for the rest of his life, sat at David's table with a great picture of salvation, the Lord taking us into his table when we didn't deserve to be there. We were the son of the enemy. That's what Mephibosheth was. And yet he's brought to the king's table. It's a great picture of us being brought in the family of God. However, can I say this? That's one story. You know these stories in the New Testament? Jesus goes, thy sins be forgiven thee, thy sins be forgiven thee. How about this one? He tells that woman that's caught in adultery. You know the story? I love how the men are like, oh, Lord, there's this woman. She was caught in adultery. What should we do? And the Lord's like, where's the man? Oh, we don't know. There's a lot of questions surrounding that passage of Scripture that should be answered. You know, I, I've heard people say, and listen, listen, I, I believe this sincerely. I, I believe that if you don't want to be treated the wrong way, you should obviously present yourself the right way. But let me also say this, gentlemen, uh, someone dressing the wrong way does not justify your wrong behavior. Don't you ever go walk, walk out of here and go, preacher said I would never justify that. That's wickedness. When a man says, well, she shouldn't have been asking for it. Hey, jerk, keep your hands to yourself. Unless you're married to her, you don't need to touch her amen, you say, oh, preacher, we're in 2023. You know, we're beyond that. We don't need to get married. Fine, do whatever you want, but let me just say right now. If you're not gonna do it God's way, don't complain about the results. What I will say is this. That woman's caught in adultery, and everyone likes to point out the fact that Jesus says, neither do I condemn thee, and he does, but he follows it up with this statement. Go and sin no more. She does not go, how dare you? You have no idea how I was raised. You have no idea what I... You know what she says? Got it. She walks away a lot better for it. You know what you have to learn to do if you want to get back up? Own that you're part of the reason why you're down. You know, sometimes you get down just because of what you put in your mind. Listen, guys, I I just got to get this off my chest. If you're upset about something, and you sit around at home, you don't do any physical activity, and you're in a dark room, everybody hurts! Everybody hurts! And you got that thing on repeat, you might get more depressed. Because input equals output, right? You you know what I'm trying to get you to understand, though? Sometimes you need to own this. Sometimes you need to go. Oh, it's it's me. I'm the reason why I'm down. Oh no, it's what my spouse said to me. But how'd you respond to it? Well, it's what my parents. Yeah, but how'd you respond to it? Well, it's what my kids. Yeah, but how? it's what some Christians said at church, and that's why I will never go back to that place. I will go to Walmart and Burger King and Starbucks where the other sinners hang out. But I will not go to church where the safe sinners hang out. You know what I'm saying? Mm, I love that tune. <laughs> mm, 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 mm. If it ever was the sign of me ending a message, we're not quite there yet. I want you... Go to Psalm 51 in your Bible. Go to Psalm 51. Psalm chapter 51. <laughs> i there forget Billy Haas telling the story about preaching at a church in Texas. And... uh billy later in life some of you guys knew him kind of like grandpa billy oh he's so nice yeah i didn't know him like that <laughs> he was more like a dad to me like shut up you know and don't what are you talking about and don't be an idiot and all that kind of stuff and and you guys knew the the older billy that would preach a 30 minute sermon you're like pastor why can't you be more like billy <laughs> let me tell you something i am more like billy from the night from the 1990s okay and i remember he preached he would preach long messages one time he's preaching at a church in texas and uh a guy sits in the back and he goes like this. And Brother Billy nods, keeps preaching. <laughs> but then the guy goes, <laughs> It's 12. Now it's you know it's 1215, you know, and Billy's like, mm-hmm. Keeps going on. Then the guy goes. <laughs> and then Billy goes, I just feel led of the spirit to show you this other thing I saw in the word of God. Fifteen more minutes. You know, the guy is infuriated at that point. You say, you say, well, is it, is it like that here? No, but every once in a while I'd like to kind of pull that out of my hat. Psalm 51. Psalm 51. Look, if you would, at verse number one. Have mercy upon... What's the next word? Jesus. Look at the end of that verse. Whose transgressions? Mine. Look at verse two. Cleanse who? Mine. Whose sin is it? Mine. Look at verse three. Whose transgression is it? Whose sin is it? Look at verse number seven. I shall be clean. Wash who? Clean. You know what we're really good at? I mean, it goes way back to the garden. <laughs> the Lord comes to Adam, what what what's happening here? I, I love it whenever I love it whenever you get on your kids, right? And they don't know that you're listening. And you've been listening the whole time, they've been doing something they shouldn't do. Hey, what's going on? Ah, him! <laughs> like, they don't even know. It's just like the first thing that comes out of their mouth is, it's someone else, it's not me. The Lord goes to Adam. What does Adam say? The woman? <laughs> I mean, like the day before, he's like, Lord, she's amazing. <laughs> no one cooks like her, no one looks like her. Lord, she's the best thing that's ever happened to me. God, I'm just so thankful. Can I just get, I want to share with you this poem. I, I think I'm going to call it the Song of Solomon. I don't know why. I just feel like to call it that. Let me, let me read this to you. And Lord's like, okay, all right. And the next day, He's like, oh, oh, you want to ask me why I sin? The woman whom Thou gavest me. <laughs> you know what He's doing? He's shifting. You know what's really easy to do? Blame everybody else but yourself. You know why some of you keep finding yourself down and you won't look in the mirror and go, it's me? You know what's easier to do? It's her. It's them. It's you. It's... The Bible says that Adam points the finger at his wife It says, it's the woman whom thou gavest me. And of course, she turns around and says, it's the serpent. You cannot stand in gratitude if you're stuck in victimhood. You can't follow the Lord in gratitude if you're simply always looking at how you've been wronged. And this is the reason why you're down. We live in a society that praises that. And as a Christian, what happens is you come to church and you expect it to be that way from the Bible. It's not. It's me individually standing before God. You know what Peter gets to experience? 3,000 people getting saved. I would say that's pretty awesome. If I preached a message and 3,000 people are like, I want, it, I want Jesus, I'd be like, best day of my life. You know how Peter got there? The Lord dealt with him. Lovest thou me? Lovest thou? Well, Lord, why are you putting all the attention on me? Well, let's just get through this because you denied me three times. So let's talk about this three times. Well, well, Lord, I mean, look, what about him? No, 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 this is about you right now. The Lord restored him, but Peter had to own it. He had to own it. Look, if you would, back at our passage, go back to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. Let me say this as we close the message. Look at Mark chapter 2. You want to get back up? It demands obedience. I'm going to show you something I think is really interesting in this passage. Mark chapter 2, I think there's a lot of things to get looked at, the roof getting uncovered, you know, the, 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 the men that are there, Jesus preaching the word, the miracle of Jesus just speaking the word, and, and that man receiving his healing. But, but I want to show you something because the healing has already been received, but I want you to notice and look, if you would, at verse number 11. Verse number 11, I see thee, arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house. Let me ask you a question. Did that man need healing, yes or no? So if the Lord says, arise, you're healed, that's good enough, isn't it? It ought to be. Why does the Lord say, arise and take up thy bed? I think there's a lot to that. I would say this as we close this out. If you want to get he- you want to get healing, you want to learn to get back up, it demands obedience for lasting victory. You know what that means? I don't even want to do this, but God said to, so I'm going to. Lord, I just got healing. I don't even know if I have enough strength to take a step. But you know what? You said to pick up the bed, so I'll pick it up. Why would the Lord say, pick up that bed? I believe this. I believe he wanted that man to realize, I want you to look down at that as you walk away, and I want you to remember what got you in this mess, and I don't want to see you there again. You know what it takes, though? A little bit of obedience. You know the distance between knowledge and victory is it's action. A lot of Christians know the right thing to do, they're just not doing it. How about this? But I haven't walked in years, Lord. Well, but I tried, get, I tried carrying my bed before. But well, what if I fail in front of all these people? Imagine that hundreds of people are gathered there. The Lord says, arise, take up thy bed. Imagine him thinking to himself, what if I fail? I, I've never done this in front of other people. But you know what the answer is? But nothing, just obey. You know, if you're lost without Jesus Christ, the only obedience that he requires is you obeying the gospel. You know what that means? That doesn't mean you join a church or get baptized. That means you come to a place you realize you're lost in your sins. You need a savior, one that died for your sins. He didn't do that for no reason. He did, he did not come out on this earth, live a sinless life for 33 and a half years, go to the cross and suffer that uh, awful, terrible death, not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually with the father forsaking him. The God, him saying, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And bearing all of the sins of mankind on his body and doing that and becoming sin for us. He did not do that for no reason. He did that with one thing in mind, you. You individually. Well, What do I have to do to make it right with God, to get my sins washed away? I'll tell you all that you need to do, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It's a matter of faith and you come to a place you understand you're a sinner and you deserve the punishment, but he stepped in your place and he died for you and all he requires is you you being obedient by faith, meaning this, the only thing I must do is place my faith in what Jesus Christ did for me on that cross plus nothing, not first communion, not baptism, not the the, the Lord's Supper, not the mat, none of that stuff. That's not going to save you. You know what's going to save you? The one that died for you. If you're saved, can I say this? You know what I think? It, let's be honest. If the Lord tells you to pick up your bed, you know what some of you would say? Why? I don't know some of us would respond. I'll do it, Lord, but can I do it later? No. No, you need to walk away now with that bed. Why does that? Instead of asking why, maybe doing it will show you why you know, I believe this. Some of you are waiting for the right feeling. It's kind of like, all right, Lord, give it to me. And it's like, well, I don't have a feeling. How about you do what he said, and maybe down the road, you're going to feel the right way about it. It's almost like talking to a teenager, and they're like, I haven't found my dream job. You're 15. Like, you know, like, I don't know, pick up poop and, you know, pooper scoop and mow yards and serve ice cream. And eventually, later on in life, you'll find your dream job. You know, it, it's kind of like, like, well, I'm just waiting for Listen, just start where you're at and listen to what God is showing you where you're at. You know what's amazing about this? Notice one last thing and we'll be done. Your obedience can lead to others... Learning about Jesus Christ. Look, if you would, at verse number 12. Immediately he rose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed. And what they do? Yeah. Wouldn't you like someone to watch your life and go, Whoa. Never seen that before. You could do that. But you have to learn to be obedient. My question to you this morning is this. What do you want? Why would you come today? You want some healing? You want to get back up? Maybe learn from this man right here. Let's go to Lord in prayer. Father, we come to in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, some days I I feel I'm the poorest vessel you could use to get across a message that would have eternal impact on people's lives. Lord, I pray that in spite of the speaker, in spite of the, the messenger, in spite of the vessel, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would Illuminate, Lord, I pray if there's anyone here that isn't saved, they get saved. Lord, I pray for your people, born again children of God, Lord, that rather than just staying down, they'd realize it might be hard for a little bit, but boy, it's the right move. There may be some obstacles, but it's worth the trip. Lord, I, I pray that Rather than blaming others, they would simply say, Yep. He called out my sin for a reason. I get it. And Lord, I'm here to make it right. We're helping to them get themselves around the right people. Or that's the that's the goal. That's partly the goal of what this church is all about. we are just provide that for your people. And I do pray you'd help us, Lord, to be obedient. There's so much that we know and not as much as being done. Help us to bridge that gap. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I pray that the Lord's spoken to you. You'd respond. Don't wait. You know where you're at. You know if you're down. Hey, if you're up and things are great in your life, there's nothing wrong, praise the Lord for that. That's not, that's not a bad thing. But I will say this. I pray you remember this message when you find yourself down. something, be concerned be aware of self-righteousness of coming to a place in your Christian life where you come to church and you hear a message about getting back up and you assume it's for everybody else sometimes it's it's for us and we don't realize it you know what God wants He wants to see you walking in victory He desires that for you He saved you for that reason. But things obviously happen. Sometimes, not always. Sometimes it's the result of our own doings and our own thinking. When you're down, I pray you'd remember this message. Rise up and walk. Can you imagine being that man lying down there and hearing those words? And all of a sudden feeling something in those nerves and those ankles and those legs that we haven't felt in a long time. Suddenly getting strength where there was no strength and the impulse to move and to test out what you're feeling. And then the Lord says, okay, don't forget your bed. (laughs) We old saying is you made your bed, now you gotta you gotta live with it, you gotta make it, right? So so Christian, follow this man's example. Don't stay down. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just gonna ask a real simple question. If you're here and you know you're a born again child of God, would you be willing to raise your hand and go, Yep, yeah, preacher, I'm saved. I know I'm saved. I know that when I die I'm going to heaven. I know one of God's children, a lot of hands, it's a blessing. If you could not raise your hand, can I, can I encourage you? Because right now, you may be down about certain things in life, which I do not discount at all. But you know the real thing that's got you down is the burden of sin. And sin never leaves a man or a woman any better than it finds him. And sin ultimately has the power to take us down, 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 Eventually, the Bible says that you take your last breath and your soul leaves your body and you'll spend eternity somewhere forever. And if you've never, never had received the payment from God on His behalf, He made the payment for you, but it must be made by someone. If you never received the payment that Jesus Christ made for you to save you from your sins, you'll just keep going down to a place called hell. And God doesn't want you to go there. And I don't want you to go there. the Holy Spirit of God that's dealing with your heart right now, He doesn't want you to go there. So I pray this. I pray you'd be honest enough. This is a time of invitation. We're quiet. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. No one looking around. If, If you're here and you've never been born again, you're not saved with no one looking around, Would you own it like Jesus told this man to own it? Would you own it and say, Preacher, I'm not saved. Would you raise your hand and go, I'm not saved, I'd like to be saved. Is there anyone here like that? I won't point you out. I won't drag you down here. But if you're honest enough with yourself and with God, that'd be a great first step if you want to get back up. If you want to know God and know his son Jesus Christ and know what it means to have eternal life, it's a, big deci- it's a great place to start your decision for the Lord. You see, why do you ask that question? Because really in life, it's not about black versus white or rich versus any of that stuff. Republican versus Democrat. You know what it's about? It's about whether you're saved or whether you're lost. get kind of cute with God sometimes and we come up with sayings like this not all who wander are lost right you ever seen those stickers on cars yeah I get it well, I'm just gonna stay if I could put a sticker up it would say not all who wander are lost but mostly are look if you're here and you've never been saved we want you to be saved it'll cost you nothing you don't have to join our church frankly you never have to come a day in your life again to church I mean we'd love for you to but that's not what it's about It's about putting your faith in what God did for you through his son, Jesus Christ. And if you'd like to know about that, before you leave today, please seek me out. Seek out myself. Seek out Brother Sean there in the back. Find someone from this church that can open up a Bible and tell you how to be saved. We'd love for you to experience that. song just as i am aren't you glad he takes us just as we are then he makes us better than we were amen uh, all because of jesus christ let's close in a word of prayer thank you for being here today i pray that you'd uh, be here if you consider being here wednesday night seven o'clock we have a midweek bible study uh going over what the bible says ironically some of you may think the bible is silent on the subject but what the bible says about how to deal with social media so uh be here wednesday night seven o'clock uh kids uh la- is this is this the last one or second to last one we're almost done with dbc three more okay the last okay got it got it got it got it thank you brother so this is your last month of, of uh discovery discovery disciples bible club uh kids so uh be here for that uh seven o'clock we hope to see you then let's go ahead and close with the uh in a word of prayer and uh there are some of you that are going to stick around afterwards i've talked to you already you know who you are uh so don't go anywhere if you would And uh, what we'll probably do is uh, meet uh, up here closer to, uh, we'll get about 15 minutes or so. Uh, Let's close in a word of prayer, though. Uh, And I'm going to ask uh, Brother James if you would close this out in a word of prayer, sir.